0: Welcome back. My name is Steve, the founder of English and Go. My friend Nick asked me to make a podcast about the U.S. midterm elections. It was a good idea. So, Nick, this one's for you. We all know that the U.S. president is elected for four years. What many people may not have known until recently is that every two years, There are elections for all of the House of Representatives and one third of the US Senate. So, if it always feels like there's a US election going on, well, now you know why. Blame the Founding Fathers. They set this up in the US Constitution. So, here we are in the middle of President Biden's four year term, and we had the House and Senate elections. That's why they are called the midterm elections, as they fall in the middle of the presidential term. Okay, so much for history. What about the results? Well, you can't really understand this year's results without having a little bit of history as well. But we're talking about recent history, not the 1700s. Let's focus on the last 30 years or so. Simply put, the president's party usually does very badly in the midterm elections. After all, they had two years to get stuff done, and either they didn't do it, or they did things that are unpopular, or whatever. Typically, over the last 30 years, the U.S. has seen a 40 to 60 seat swing in the House of Representatives and a 3 to 7 seat swing in the Senate during the midterms. This explains why Republicans were so arrogant going into this election. They proclaimed a red wave and taking back control. By contrast, the Democrats were quietly confident that they would do okay. Not super great, but they still had a chance at some solid results. See, that is the difference between confidence and arrogance. Confidence is based on reality— And knowledge of actual data, whereas arrogance is often based on religion or magic or just plain narcissism. So when we look at the results, who was right? Well at the moment Republicans are crying in their beer and the Democrats are quite happy. While it is very likely that in the end the Republicans will gain control of the House of Representatives, It looks to be a very small majority. And at least as of right now, it's almost assured that the Democrats will hold the Senate. They might even gain a seat. This is very much not normal in the last 30 years of midterm elections, because midterms are almost always bad for the president's party. So these midterms are quite a bit different than most. So the obvious question is, why? For this, I will lean heavily on the work of Nate Cohen of the New York Times. Cohen asserts that some states had other voting issues during their elections, what are usually called ballot measures. Ballot measures are a form of direct democracy, as people vote to support or reject a certain rule change in their state. Some ballot measures were, should abortion rights be removed? Should voter ID laws be made tougher? Should a state use ranked choice voting? etc.? According to Cohen, in almost all of the states where ballot measures were focused on rights or freedoms, Democrats did really well. It seems that by having issues to vote on, like keeping voting laws more open or giving people the choice to still have an abortion, motivated voters to vote for Democrats. This was because it was clear in each case that it was the Democrats who were trying to keep rights and liberties, and it was the Republicans who were trying to restrict them. When given the choice, voters rejected proposed restrictions And also voted for Democrats. The easiest example of this is Arizona. Arizona had a ballot measure to make voting harder. As of this podcast, the no votes are in the lead. And we know that former astronaut Mark Kelly was elected as the Democratic Senator. There is no decision yet on the governor's race, though Democrat Katie Hobbs is still leading. By contrast, in states where there were not such issues on the ballot, Cohen found that voters were more split between the parties. In states where Republicans were not actively trying to limit freedoms and liberty, they got more votes. Funny how that works. So what does this mean? Well, it seems that America is slowly returning to normal. Their flirt with authoritarianism seems to be ever so slightly fading away, as I suspected that it would. My thinking in 2020 was that a few years of normal government under Biden would remind people that normal can be good. Yes. The economy is tough in the U.S. and almost everywhere else. And yes, there are disagreements. But we saw the American midterm elections go quite smoothly. People still voted. The sun still rose the next day. So now we look at the Republican Party. In a midterm election where they expected to make big gains, it appears they will lose a Senate seat and perhaps capture the House, but with a very slim majority. And what's really important to understand is that most of the candidates that Donald Rump supported so loudly, well, those candidates lost. And this is causing a split in the party. The Rump wing is claiming that he will be the savior in 2024, while the other part of the Republican Party is looking away. After all, if most of Rump's picks did not win the midterm, how can he really help them two years from now? So for the next six months, expect a lot of Republican infighting. It's already started. Rump has already started attacking other Republicans, and the horrible hate machine is gearing up once again. But at the same time, we are seeing other Republicans remind themselves that they don't need the hate machine to win. Some are now saying publicly that they're beginning to see a future without the rump. I hope so. A future with a defeated Putin and an ignored rump will be a better future for everybody. Again, my name is Steve, the founder of English & Go, an English language teaching and consulting company based in Osnabrück, Germany. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can visit our website, englishandgo.de, or send us an email, info at